there, my name is Carrie Siever. I am a structural engineer with Vector Collaborative and also your host of The Unboxing Project. I am so glad that you're here joining us for season number two at Keep Coming Back. All right, so today we have Jarrett Hardy on the podcast. He is an energetic and ambitious individual who started his architectural studies at the University of Kansas and graduated with a Bachelor in Science in Architecture from University of Colorado, Denver. He is also currently working on his Master's in Architecture at CU Denver, and he also has a podcast called The All-Nighter Podcast, where it's a student-driven architectural and design podcast. So he, re- he recently worked at Tomaszek Studio Ar- Architecture as a project lead before taking a new role as a facade and computational designer at Studio NYL. He's most interested in design that is inspired by the complex patterns and qualities of nature. He's passionate about designing environments that can serve everyone and help maintain deep connection with the earth. Most of all, Jarrett loves to bring people together in order to achieve the best results and ideas. So I think that would qualify Jarrett as a people person, a connector. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Jarrett and I met, oh, I don't know, what was it, a year or two ago? Like you were at an architectural firm, we met and I just immediately realize your energy and how you're just very forward thinking, a people person, a go-getter, like you're new in the profession or at that time you were pretty new in the profession, but you weren't intimidated by anyone. You just like went for it and tried to make all of these great connections in a very real and authentic way. Like you weren't at all like trying to be fake about it. Like it was so real and authentic, but also very ambitious. And I loved that about you. So Anyway, thanks for being here. <laughs> I, I appreciate the kind words, and uh, it's it's awesome to be on this with you. And I run a podcast as well, so these opportunities are always exciting, and the conversations are always dynamic. So I really appreciate this, and super thankful to be on with you. Awesome. Well, maybe if you could start a little bit with kind of your backstory of like how you grew up and what kind of led your trajectory to architecture. Yeah. So. I guess I'll go back story first, just how I kind of grew up. Uh-huh. Uh, grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, um, kind of where St. Louis Arches, and I was 40 minutes north of St. Louis, I want to say, and so I, I was kind of grew up in the woods, I like to say. It was just, we had five acres, nobody, no other neighbors around, and it was just me and nature a lot of the time, um, so that's kind of an important aspect that we could touch on later. Um, grew up, loved drawing, I was grew up drawing a lot and loved it and was always curious and my parents noticed that pretty much immediately um, just in everything I did and uh, then at the same time my mom is from Ecuador from Quito Ecuador and so I actually every two years up until I was like 16 I want to say I went to Ecuador every two years and that was during the summer and that was either a few months or a month or sometimes a couple weeks it kind of depended on what we had going that summer And so for me, that's when the love for travel and culture came about as well. So that's super important to me. And then 2014, went to Brazil. We can talk about that and that inspiration later as well. But that was important. And then granddad was a draftsman and an artist. And so I kind of, I guess, picked up skills from him, not 
knowing, like, it's not like he was teaching me or with, with me all the time. Cause he, he was here in Colorado. I was in St. Louis. Um, but it was just that kind of instinctive nature, um, to think about design, um, from him. So then that's, that's important to my background and then moved to Colorado when I was 17, my dad got a job offer, um, and said, do you, it's your senior year of high school. Do you want to move? I can, I can back off for a year or not. What do you think? And so being the people person I am, I was like, I could see a new opportunity being kind of a great experience. Um, so I kind of left everything I had behind and ended up moving to Colorado with the family and kind of told my dad, let's do it. So that is up until high school into college. And then, um, yeah, we'll go from there. Okay. So just to, to maybe reiterate or uh, to dive in a little deeper. So your mom's from Ecuador and you spent time in Brazil as well. So how do you feel like those areas, because I'm guessing the architecture is quite different than it is like in Colorado or in St. Louis, like how has that affected kind of what you bring to the design table? Well, that's a good question. I, if I were to say answer that right away it would be I mean there's a lot of poverty there and it's people live differently than it is here in America architecture is more about the culture and an older style because building new things all the time is not really uh, a part of that area uh, as far as right now like or as far as when I was growing up but right now actually all kinds of architects and people are flocking to Quito and other parts of Ecuador to start building, which is very interesting. I don't know okay. if you've heard of like Biarca Ingles and uh, BIG, one, one of them, probably the most prominent architecture firms in the world right now, but they're starting to do work in Ecuador, which is insane. Um, so I guess going there and growing up, I'll talk about Ecuador first, just the, the streets are, it's more compact there. Um, everything is gated for the most part. Um, but not in like a gated sense of, oh, rich and prominent or whatnot. Um, but then just the architecture there is, it all, not that it all looks the same, but it, it has the sense of culture and place that you can see everywhere, regardless of how nice or not nice it is. I don't know if that, that kind of makes sense or resonates. Um, then Brazil, actually, that was an incredible experience because I kind of went to five different cities there, or the States. And Oscar Niemeyer is a prominent architect there, or was a prominent architect there. And very fluid design, very outside of the box thinking. And so actually that is what influenced, it and still influences the way I think about and see architecture. Just because I saw that I was able to experience those spaces and see what it can do for the people, for the city and for a community as well. Um, but not just doing regular architecture or regular old design to me. Right. I think that's so like invaluable when you can travel and see the way that it's done in different areas and then like mm -hmm. bring it to your own practice and the own way, like your own way of implementation, but it also has your own personality to it. I just feel like that's yep. a great asset. I would agree. Yeah. So like, when did you decide then? So you, you were in Colorado when you were, you know, towards the end of your high school years, when did you decide, okay, architecture, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So that's, that's even a deeper answer. I'll go all the way back to fourth grade. Uh, my dad went to the Washington university at St. Louis 
And so they have, they have an architecture program and it's actually one of the best in the country right now. And so at the time he was re receiving these newspapers from them or magazines and he saw an ad in it and it was free architecture camp for inner city students. I was not an inner city student, but he decided to email them anyways and ask if I could be a part of the program because he already knew that I was curious. I was kind of design orientated or, or artistic or, how, or whatever you want to call it. But he's like, just something was telling him to put me in that program, right? And yeah. so I ended up getting accepted and I went there from fourth to sixth grade. And it was kind of sometimes during winter, during summer, um, periodically during the weekends. Um, so it's kind of all over the place as it evolved and developed, but basically master students there at the architecture program taught it and helped with it. Um, and actually the main director there, her name was Gay. And she, I think she's still at Wash U as well, but she was my, I guess, call mentor or supporter in that process because she knew I kind of didn't fit in with some of the kids and in, in the sense of I'm not an inner city kid and haven't grown up around that lifestyle but at the same time I just fit in with everybody because I, I love talking to people and I was that kind of kid right I was rambunctious. <laughs> yep yep so very very rambunctious just talking all the time and like energetic just like I am now and that's that's definitely what happened but anyways to to make it more short um, we ended up building models, we did uh, drawings there, we talked with other architects, visited projects on campus or in St. Louis, like it was very interactive and like very like I was able to see what the architecture world was um, at a glance from my young age. Um, so I like to say that I've wanted to be an architect since I was in fourth grade actually. Um, so that's, that's always exciting for me. And then I ended up cementing that thought um, my sophomore year of high school. And we're, we're, oh, Southern Illinois University of, at Carbondale. And they had an architecture camp that we ended up paying for. Met a whole bunch of kids there, did the same thing, like projects that we went through, design uh, processes and uh, what's it called? Just examples of how to think about architecture and what it is. Mm -hmm. And so that, I, at that point, I was like, yep, architecture. Now what school, right? So that was yeah. like sophomore or junior year. Um, then that's when we started looking at schools. Um, KU, University of Kansas, had a kind of deal with St. Louis that you could go to KU with in-state tuition, even though I didn't live in Kansas because I was in St. Louis. Sure. So at that point, at my junior year, I was like, yeah, 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 KU. And then that summer after my junior year, my dad smacked us with the Colorado thing. And so <laughs> I ended up, that's when I ended up moving to Colorado, but I knew I still wanted to go to KU. I had visited. I loved it. Like that was the place I knew I wanted to be. And mm -hmm. so I ended up finishing out my senior year in Colorado and still going to KU. Okay. Um, so that's where that started. Yep. When did you transfer to CU Denver then for your undergrad? Yes. Yes. That was a good question. Um, I went to KU for a year and a half and I would say it was a lot of factors. Definitely my current, my wife now, Phoebe, she was my girlfriend at the time. That was a factor because she was here, but then also my family was all here because we had moved. And so every break I had or every summer in, for KU, I would always come back to fly back to Colorado, no matter what. Okay. Like I had chances to go anywhere else, but I was like, I love Denver, love Colorado, love the mountains. Cause I also grew up coming here every year because we have family here anyways. Um, so for me, this place was just so special every time I came back. And so all these factors ended up helping me decide that I wanted to go to CU Denver for the architecture program. 
But then, actually, if I'm backing up a little bit, Gregory Critchlow was a professor at CU Denver, and he ended up transferring to KU. And he was my professor that last semester I was at KU. Okay. And I ended up, I didn't really know that CU Denver had a upcoming architecture program because I looked at CU Boulder when I was visiting schools to see where I wanted to go, but had no idea about CU Denver, right? And so he told me they have an architecture program. I was like, shoot, like, what if I went there? I just asked him the question, right? And he's like, yeah, you could, but KU is just, it's an exceptional architecture school. Like you're not gonna match that, that level of education at CU Denver. Um, sure, it's an urban environment. Sure, it's like a whole different place and um, an amazing city, but it's not the same education that you're getting here. And so that kind of hit me hard. I ended up talking to a lot of my mentors there um, and different professors around the school, my friends as well. They didn't like the idea from the get-go. Like, no, you're not going to Denver. Don't even think about it. So that's, that's, that's that conversation. But definitely, I, I can't overstate enough. It was the hardest decision I've had to make. Um, just where, because KU, I was comfortable. I had my mentors. I had students that I knew, the older students that were helping me as, a men as mentors to me. Um, I had my processes down. I had the, like the place, the sense of place in Lawrence. Lawrence is an incredible town. So I just loved being there and basketball and football sucks there, but it's still sports. <laughs> and so it was that sense of like being on a college campus and just living life and doing my architecture. And um, but yeah, eventually I was led to move to Denver, um, did the transfer and the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, you know, at KU, you also like, you knew you were there, you were integrated into the community, into the scene there, you knew it was a great architectural program. And then to like, not know for sure, because it was something foreign like that, yeah. a lot of risk and, um, just a lot of fortitude to go through with that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, a lot of risk. And I think there's a lot of reward that we can talk about as well. But yeah. Awesome. awesome. So I want to this kind of leads in. So it's a little bit more to like where you're at right now. But what exactly is a facade designer? And how did you get into that avenue of architecture? Yeah, good question. Um, another hard decision. But so I got I was at Zaga Design Group. That's when you meet, met me. Then I ended up, uh, I had Brad Tomasek as my studio professor, and that's when I got the job at Tomasek Studio. You came and visited that one time as well. Um, that was awesome. So you kind of saw what our studio was about. So very highly collaborative office, very architecture focused and design focused, right? Conceptually driven as well, but also getting these projects built and completed. Um, but, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I love it, love it, love it. But in the back of my head, I knew I wanted something bigger, something more global. Um, but something, I don't, I don't know if I knew it was, it had to be specific at the time, but I was looking at, you've, have you heard of Gensler, the firm yep. Gensler? Yep. Yeah. So I was looking at Gensler in Denver, uh, Anderson Mason Dale. Um, I got a job offer from Davis partnership here in Denver as well. And so these are all like design architecture focused, uh, firms, but then at the same time, I have this passion for parametric and freeform design. Um, and also global design, I guess those are the broad categories I would put it under. And that's kind of what I've been influenced by. And so I had looked at Studio NYL, but they were a stru structural engineering firm. I don't know if you, you saw that, but their main, they came out of being a structural engineering firm and they have this facade side, which is called the Skins Group. And so the, it's the architecture side per se. 
And so I was like, shoot, like that looks so exciting. They work with awesome firms all over the world. They have global work. They have this like really cool way of thinking about design. It's not just a, it's not just one type of entity. Like it's this conglomerate of different uh, entities being structural engineering, facade architecture. Um, and so, but I didn't think much of it, but I did end up connecting with a few people at the firm. Uh, Jesse Bright was uh, just, just on a call with him today. And then Julian Lineham, one of the co-founders. And so I just wanted to have coffee with them, you know, being the person I am, just talking to people and getting to know people. And at the time they didn't have a job offer when I was with Brad Tom before joining Brad's studio. And so I joined Brad's studio, um, and thinking that was going to be a long-term thing. Um, but six months into being at Brad's office, uh, Chris O'Hara reached out and he's the other founder of the office of the firm as a whole. And so he's like, Hey, have an opportunity for you. What do you think? Or can we meet soon? And I was like, what is this about? Like, I had no idea. He didn't say anything about job, nothing. And I was freaking out. I, I went home, told Phoebe, I told my friends, I was like, I don't know what to do. What is happening? So I ended up getting on a call with him and he basically said they have a job opening that, that just came up and basically f- being a facade designer. And I know I'm not answering your question yet, but I'll get to it. <laughs> huh? No, I'm, I'm on my, on the edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he reached out and he's like, what? He told me these different, different aspects of what the job would entail. And um, basically, it would be working on uh, facade details, whether it be Rhino. You've used Rhino before, right? The, no, but pro- I've the heard 3D of it. program. Okay, yeah. So that's where Grasshopper comes in, and that's scripting. Um, but then Rhino is also it's like the SketchUp equivalent, but also I think Rhino is way more robust and a lot better. Okay. Um, but he said you could we'll be doing constructability diagrams and axos and exploded axos and these diagrams that will help contractors know how to build these facades and complicated geometries or complicated skins, whatever it is, but we need ways of exploring those avenues. And Mm -hmm. it's different than what normal firms do or other people do. So that's kind of a unique way we approach constructability in the industry. But then he also said, we need help. We, We want grasshopper and parametric help as well, because we have projects that need that. Um, and whether that be solar analysis through ladybug and grasshopper um, or radiation studies or even tessellation and facade skin studies or how a building might, uh, you can use grasshopper to relate it. And let me know if I'm using too many things that don't make sense, no, no. Um, but okay. you can relate these scripts to either the site, to the sun, to the wind or whatever. And then your skin starts adapting to that um, within okay. the program. Um, so these are all different ways. It's a different way of designing for sure. And maybe you've heard of parametric design. Maybe you haven't. Um, I think about like, so I have books for Zaha Hadid and Morphosis up here and they all use Grasshopper and Maya and Freeform Modeling and Rhino. Like these are all the tools that I want to be enveloped in to create these amazing projects that otherwise are, are, are not feasible if they're not done the right way, right? Right, you can't, um, you can't put together a 2D drawing of stuff like that when you're out. I mean, a space form really, right? Yep. Based on all of these other um, things that can affect it, like the parametric stuff you're talking about, right? Exactly, <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was a very <laughs> basic level. I was no, trying to save at the end. <laughs> No, and, and that's the thing. I'll even put it out there right now. I'm still understanding like what I'm, how I fit in and how I do things and what this entails. 
but I also knew, I mean, talking about like, I, I know my path in a sense of where I want to go. And so I knew that by taking this job, it may not be a traditional architectural design firm, um, but by doing this, I'm going to learn how these projects come together. And it's the type of projects, the typology that I want to do, and it's the global scale I want to do, but how do they get completed? How do they get detailed out? What is so unique about these skins that go together? How do the control layers go together? How does it respond thermally? And so those things I knew I'm going to be able, if I'm here three, five years, 10 years, whatever, whenever I open my own firm, which is the ultimate goal, I know I can translate these skills into that eventually. Okay. So I, I hope that answers what I do in a, in a, in a summary. In a short yeah, summary. to me, it sounds very innovative and like pushing the envelopes. Too. Exactly. Like things all the time. And like what someone in that position would have been doing five years ago is completely different than what it is oh, right yeah. now. That's exactly. so cool. And like, I think that's important for people to know too. Like it's not these rudimentary things. Like you're thinking about these things and designing and modeling these skins that eventually get implemented and you probably share your 3D model with the contractor as well. But like, there's so much thought and just intentionality that goes into that, I'm sure, before it oh, ever man. gets any piece of it gets start, you know, they start on the construction side of any of it. Yep. And, and I'd like, I'll go into an example right now. I'm working on a project in Minnesota and it's a small pavilion, um, but it's going to be steel. I think we're looking at some foamed aluminum, um, kind of looking at all these different materials and then rounded, I think five inch HSS tubes basically that create the structural frame. Um, but then the top part is going to be the shell and it's going to be welded steel and it's all these crazy angles. We're calling it violent geometry right now <laughs> because that's literally what it is. And that's what I, I it's just, it makes me so excited to kind of work on projects like this. But anyways, we are actually going through exercises right now with uh, two companies and one of them being uh, having NASA welders on the job. And so oh, okay. the tolerances are so high that we might end up using a NASA welder. People work on spaceships and like to get these welds just the right way to really get the design across and keep it clean. So that's the kind of work like that, that keeps me going, you know? It, to me, like the, what comes to mind is like a sculpture that's like creating art, small scale, yeah. doing that like on a super huge scale, which is super, exactly. it seems so overwhelming to me, but so. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's so overwhelming, even for me, like sometimes, because Chris, when I got on the call with him, he's like, just know, like, there's gonna, it's gonna be challenging. We sometimes we don't know what to do. Like there's new, we're doing new things in the industry that have never been done. Like, how do we get that done? And are you ready for the challenge? Like, can you take that? And it's, I can say being here for like, what is it, a month or two months now? It's crazy how time's flying, but I've been here for two months and I can say there's things I have no idea how to do. And it's just finding answers um, and yeah. finding, finding people who know the answers as well. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, I see the light <laughs> in your eyes and in your energy, but what, what else are you passionate about or what are you passionate about? <laughs> that seems like yeah. a basic question. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I'm passionate about, so obviously you can see that I'm, passionate about architecture, but also the type of design that I want to go into um, just kind of gets me going. But then one of the points that I wrote down was bringing people together. Um, I have, I guess I've realized and grown into the skill set of bringing 
different people, like all these different types of people together, whether it be at a friend scale, whether it be um, at a, like a podcast level, you know, and bringing these different guests in, bringing my friends together to create this entity that, that we talk about something we love. Um, I think about my family and how I bring them together in different ways. Um, and then just like any which way, even in class, like how I bring my classmates together, um, whether it's through leadership, whether it's through the conversations we have. Um, I just always like to have people together because that's how, one, you get the best projects, two, how you have the most fun together, and three, how you learn the most from each other as well. And I think that's really important. So I'm passionate about bringing people together um, and then I would even add mentoring and helping others because I have grown significantly because of the mentors that I've had. Um, and I'll even, I hope he listens to this, but Kapila from KU, the biggest mentor I've had to date. Um, he, was, he wasn't a professor of mine at KU, but he was my, my mentor and advisor. And I went to him for every project I had, every problem I had in terms of architecture and design and schooling. Um, in approach to the professional world as well. I even talked to him last week and we had an hour and a half long conversation about how, how studios should be approached or how my job should be approached, like those kind of ideas. So that's a longer answer to that. Um, right now, CU Denver is starting a mentorship program. And so now being a master's student that I, I just started this semester and have two years to finish that, but I'm, gonna, I'm finding a mentor, a mentee student right now who's a first year in architecture um, or second year, and I can help them how to approach their resumes or portfolios or getting a job or their studio projects. Like people did that for me. I want to now do that for others. And I think that has come full circle now, which is crazy how fast, uh, I'm flying through my education and life. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, I think, yeah. Jared, I think that's so cool though, too, because like in your job, like there's days where it's super challenging and intense, right? Like you're learning these new things and sometimes that can feel overwhelming, but all it takes is that conversation with a first year architectural student to realize like how far you've come. Like it almost like helps to feel like, okay, yes. Like, like it's hard when you're in the weeds to realize how far you've come and how much you've learned. Uh, but then yep. when you can kind of take a step back and help mentor someone, it's like, oh yeah, like I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's like, wow, I've grown up. This is crazy. <laughs> and, and then even for me, like I'm going to learn from these kids. I'm going to learn from the different people that I speak to and guide and mentor or whatever, but like, it's always two way street. And that's what I, I'm excited about as well. So that's an ongoing process. Um, I also have written down that I'm passionate about, I guess it's the people thing, but enhancing people's lives through design and my ideas. Um, just knowing, sure, I can't change the world altogether and I can't do all that all at once. But whatever I can influence and or make a mark on the world um, through architecture, through my design, through my ideas, like I'm all for it um, because essentially the buildings or structures that we are designing, even you being structural engineer, like people are going to be residing in these things and spending the holidays or going to events or doing different things, you know, like it's, it's all these things that make our job super exciting. I feel like you could relate as well. Yeah. Um, People but, that are inspired and, by the spaces, right? Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and then just the, the little, little things, I wouldn't say nature is a little thing because this kind of going full circle to how I grew up. Like I grew up being in nature. I explored the woods. I would go for miles and miles and go to the Creek and just, just explore what the fish are doing, what the crawdads are doing, um, what the trees are doing, what, uh, how can I go in the meadow and then find this house that's in the middle of nowhere like those kind of things, but then nature in a sense of being inspired by the complex patterns of nature as well, because awesome. being in this parametric world that I'm in or whatever you want to call it, these things are taking cues from the, the repeated patterns that are, that are in nature, that are on animals, that are in plants, right? And so that's just really inspiring for me, and I'm very passionate about it. I love sports. I'm a big basketball fan, big Broncos fan, big NFL fan um nuggets i have season we have season tickets to the denver nuggets um Fine. so very passionate about sports will definitely want to design a stadium or two once i have my own firm <laughs> you, you heard it here first so and, uh, and <laughs> so that's that and then i would say lastly my city uh being denver i love this place and i want to make a career here and have my origins be here. Um, I want to do global work, but I kind of see it, envision it happening here in the city, um, mainly because of how it's growing, how it's working, the kind of things that are happening all together. So super passionate about that. <laughs> awesome. Well, and like we talked before we started recording just about like the importance of diversity and like all of the different, just bringing everyone together, different cultures, different ethnicities like all of the differences and I feel like Denver is a great location to showcase that like there's a lot mm. of a lot of things going on in Denver a lot of cultures a lot of people from different areas that have moved to Denver and I think that would totally hold true to um kind of focusing on that diversity piece of it too yeah absolutely I I totally think this is a very diverse city different it's a melting plot pot and a plot <laughs> of different people and different cultures and I mean I, I went to New York too and it's the same thing you see all like different kind of foods and restaurants and how that all comes together or different types of art as well I love the Denver art scene right now um, even being in Rhino maybe you've seen yeah. it um, Santa Fe <laughs> art district like it's all these different types of things coming together and it's incredible to see for sure yeah, it's crazy. So like, um, this is kind of a side note, but when I lived out in Colorado, I worked at 36th and Blake. Um, oh, and I nice. About this, but like, um, that was like not a nice area. So this would have been, yeah. oh, 15 years ago, probably. And then like <laughs> to go back there this last summer and stay in that, like within two blocks. And it was like this super nice loft and like all of these like super cool like posh places around there yeah it's so crazy how much that area has transformed yep it's so it's cool. absolutely crazy because i heard i heard before like you could never touch that area like no Phoebe, phoebe's grandpa always says like you never wanted to go there or five parks or anything like that like don't touch that area now it's this place that everyone wants to start migrating towards yeah when I think, um, like, back to the diversity side of things, like, so much can be learned, like, architecturally, creatively, just living your life from other cultures and, you know, their food, their style of architecture, what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, there's so much that you can learn from different cultures, and what a great opportunity to have so many local to Denver so that, you know, you can learn more. Exactly. Totally. 
So what are some risks that you've had to take to get where you are? So risks, I think I'll go back to the biggest risk I did was from KU to Steve Denver, making that transfer. Um, that was, that has, I mean, school was different. People were different. Studies were different. Place was different. Everything about moving was different. Um, but I did know that I wanted to be here. And so it was a risk. Um, but it, and it was hard because I had everything like my life was at KU and in my head, it was a five-year master's program. I was going to finish it all the way through, get that done and go work, whatever. And I see how just life changes, but then being here in Denver, like it's for me, it's being part of the city and this culture. Now I've had three jobs that have been incredibly important to my growth. And I wouldn't have had that if I stayed at KU. Right. And sure. so for me, the, that, that was a risk, but there's that reward. Um, and then other risk I've taken, and I, I get, it also goes back to even moving from St. Louis to Denver. That was a risk, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but there was that, that little voice inside of me saying, no, do it. Like, totally go do it. And like, I'm, I'm an explorer and like, I'm totally up for new experiences all the time. So for okay. me, it's those risks that yes, they're hard but I also embrace them. So maybe they're not so much risks at that point, you know, they're more of adventures um, or new beginnings. Yes, love it. Like, and that's such an optimistic way to look at things too, right? Like, yeah, it's a risk. Like if it, like, if it works out great, if not, like it was meant to be that way and we'll make the most of it and maybe something yep. else unexpected will pop up. I love yep, that. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. And then, yeah. And then the last risk I would say is, yeah, how, when and how to switch jobs and like being at Zaga, I was comfortable there, but I knew I wanted a next step. Right. And so then that's when Brad Thomas came around and then I thought that was going to be it for a while. Like I was going to be there a couple of years, three years. And then Studio NYL reached out and I knew it was going to be different, not being in a traditional design architecture firm. And for me, I was like, in my head, I was freaking out about that. But in my heart, I knew it was going to be the right path and the right decision. And, out, and it was a, a risk, but also like not a risk at the same time. It was totally what I wanted to do. And I know it's going to be the right next step to lead me into these other avenues of my career and life in general. So... Yeah, I love that. And I love how you separated that out as like your head and your heart and the conflict of the two, because I feel like it took me a good 10, 15 years to like yeah. allow my heart that risk. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like you, like you think, I think logically a lot of the time. So for me, it's like, does this logically make sense? I'm in architecture school. Like I should be in a pure architecture firm, right? Something like that. And it's now that I say it, it sounds so stupid because I am now like I've made, I'm making it my own path, right? Every, everybody's path is unique and I don't have to be like everybody else as well. So, yeah. Yep. Your own trajectory. You don't have to worry about what you're supposed to be doing. You do it yep. true to you. And that's what fuels Amen. you. Like if you're passionate about it, like then it's going to fuel you. Right. Oh so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's think about your mentees uh, that you're mentoring. Mm -hmm. uh, what is some advice that you would give to them? Mm, good question. Um, so some points that I was thinking about was be bold and authentic in your own way. And I mean, I was just talking about that just right now. Um, but it's, it's one thing to kind of sit there and take in what you're learning. 
But then after a while, there has to be this sense of like applying your own identity, your own culture, your own background, your own experiences. Um, I think one one kid I'm about to start meeting with, uh, his background, oh, shoot, I can't, I can't remember what country it's from, but his dad ended up having this uh, firm in this country and dropped all of that to move his family to the U.S. so that his family could have better opportunities here. And yeah. so it's th those kind of things I think about immediately that influence a person and place and then also how you design, right? Mm -hmm. So embrace that and be bold and authentic um, to yourself and to who you are, because I think it can be hard with the pressure of the world, with the pressure of your teachers, um, with the pressure of other students, um, or even pressure with different hard life circumstances, right? Um, yeah. But let that shine through. So that's important. I would say it also goes with staying in tune with your passions. And what I mean by that is that as you go through school or as you go through whatever it may be, try to recognize what you are gravitating towards um, and then also embrace that and use that to your advantage to then dictate where you want life to be or where you want your professional life to be. Um, though, if we're talking like strictly education and professional life. Then um, I would say ask a ton of questions. I was told that from the very beginning. I think I saw different people, whether it be fellow interns or fellow coworkers or other classmates, they do not ask enough questions, right? And like, that's what, literally what it's all about. I was even told to like, you can be annoying to some extent, right? Like ask questions when you don't know something, say, hey, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Obviously, there's the part where you also need to grow within yourself, but ask mm -hmm. questions when you don't know something. Um, and it was funny when I worked with Sandy. Uh, and do you remember meeting Becky? Yep. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, Becky told me when I was leaving at my farewell dinner, she's like, you asked a lot of questions. <laughs> and she said it like it was there. And like, she, we all laughed about it and I knew to some extent like there was some times where I probably did bother her and like uh, but she was always willing to help me out and I was always willing to ask questions like that's what that's what happened right yeah. and so it was it was, it was funny to hear that from her um, but then I would also say take risks like you're saying what's the biggest risk you've taken um, take risks, like whether it be little risks, like in your design philosophy or the way you think about design or structure you're doing in education, um, or then even when you get into practice, like take risks that might surprise your boss or might surprise a client or whatnot. Like those are all little things that go a long way. Um, and then that also translates into everything you do in life, whether it be taking a risk, moving, taking a risk, a uh, new job, um, new type of food. I, I don't know, like the little things and they all add up. So I would say it, that's a very big thing to me. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, that's what makes you feel alive, right? When you take a risk and then, you know, you don't know for sure. It's like the nervous butterflies, but like, that means you're alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And everybody's path is different. It's just, everybody's taking their own risks in their own ways. And that's how it goes. I can't, I'm very excited for it. I just want to, I just want to like flood them with all this information I have and all these experiences and life lessons I've learned. And I'm still learning. Like I'm, I'm young right now. Yeah. Like I have so much more to go and so much to give as well. I love it. Yeah. So who inspires me? I was thinking about this last night actually. And for, I, I'll talk architecturally first. 
I would say Oscar Niemeyer, um, visiting Brazil, being there for two weeks for the World Cup, um, being around those types, like that many people coming from all over the world, and then being in these structures that were Oscar Niemeyer structures. And he has built structures all over the country. Um, and so it was a church or it was the government building um, that's pretty famous with the two bars that go vertically and then there's a semicircle like a bowl and then it's flipped on the other side and so it's these three strong shapes that create this monument and or government facility um for brazil like it's okay. it's incredible it's incredibly simple but very powerful when you go to the go to the actual structure um so i would say oscar niemeyer was somebody who thought freely and thought about how nature inspires um sorry, in inspires a design. Um, that means curves. That means how that translates from an ocean. Even, I, I think it's hilarious. He would say, I'm inspired by the curves of women. And he, he would always just say that, but it's funny because God created this world where everything is curvy and or organic or free form. Um, and right angles are a construct of our world, really. Mm -hmm. um, you don't see right angles a lot in nature, I would say. But I would say, like, the way Oscar, I'm trying to say the way Oscar Niemeyer looked at nature and then translated that to his actual designs and thought about things freely is the word, I would say. Um, it's, it was an expression of who he is as a person, right? And so I'm inspired by that. And then same thing goes with a modern day example. Um, she died sadly, but Zaha Hadid, you've probably heard her name. Okay. Um, and her work is just absolutely incredible and inspiring to me. And I know some of my professors would be like, ah, you, should, you don't need to look at her all the time or you don't need to look at her for like look at these other architects. But for me, like she is a true inspi inspiration, firstly being a woman um, at that time when she was coming up in the ranks, like she had to, really fight for herself and fight for her identity and fight for her brand, fight for her ideas, right? So that's already inspiring, but then also just imposing her will of what her ideas are and getting those built and getting those realized, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's powerful to me as well. Um, and then I would say in life who inspires me is a general thought of people who push for change in society. And that's specifically through Jedi, um, justice, equity, diversity and inclusion, and then community people as well. Um, and how different people want, have that willingness to bring people together and not just be selfish, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that, those are those two points in a long sense. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, and I love how that brings, like I see two things that we've talked about that are core values to you as far as like connection of people and then also taking risks. like doing those things take risks all of the people that you're yeah. um you know that you're inspired by all of them those things take risks exactly yeah so awesome. yeah it. okay I love so that question. rapid fire questions to wrap okay. it up here i don't have them prepared so we're just gonna riff this because i feel like that will will make it the most um authentic here so first one Favorite restaurant for you and your wife to go out to eat at? Ooh, very good question. Uh, my birthday is this Saturday and we were thinking about where to eat actually. So that's, so we ended up going to Ocean Prime here on Larimer Street, downtown Denver. Uh -huh. um, that's one of my favorite places. I would say like high-end steakhouses, but 
it's one thing to say hi in steakhouse, but it's another thing to know this, like the specifics of those places. So uh, Shanahan's is kind of South Denver, um, but they have really good steak. And it's just like, it kind of blew me away. Like, cause one of those things was like, shoot, this is amazing. So <laughs> I, I, I would say that's one of our favorite places to go. Um, and then if it's like hole in the wall places, we have this place called El Taco de Mexico. And that's at San, the Santa Fe district, um, south of downtown, like directly south. Um, and it is this hole in the wall place, kind of crappy building, but the best Mexican food, in my opinion, in Denver um, okay. so far. Love so, it. and then Phoebe also, my wife grew up eating that as well, like going there all the time and her grandpa too. So because we always go to the Nuggets games as season ticket holders, that is our little primary stop before the games, right? And okay. yeah, so fit, two favorite restaurants that I can throw out there. <laughs> okay, so a little different spin, favorite cuisine. Cuisine, hmm. I would say right off the bat, I grew up Ecuadorian or with an Ecuadorian mom. Um, so having that type of Spanish or Latino food is really important to me and very delicious as well. And that even, I mean, Mexican, Ecuadorian, Colombian, whatever you want to call it, like that food is just incredible to me. But then if I'm going off of that, then it would be Chinese food. Um, I love my orange chicken. I love my <laughs> rice. I love my crab cheese wontons and that's that. <laughs> that's awesome. My son, his orange chicken is his favorite all the time. Yeah. Every day, I swear. So that's awesome. Okay. Favorite vacation spot. Ooh, so honeymoon actually was three weeks ago. We went to St. Thomas, the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, all I can say is we are absolutely in love with that place. It's absolutely incredible. The people are humble and hungry, I would say. Um, there's the sense of happiness and even when they don't have much. Um, so it's that culture as well that you get right off the bat. But then that's in addition to the absolute beauty of the clear waters, the turquoise waters, um, the fine sand, the white sand of the beaches, like it is just an amazing place to be. And I think we'll be vacationing there for a very long time and or retire there, hopefully. <laughs> Every year, right? Every year. Yep. <laughs> no, that's what we said. Like it was just absolutely breathtaking and there's, and, and it's a U.S. territory. So it's not as hard to get into as some of these other places, but yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So Saturday morning, uh neither one you or your wife neither one of you guys have to work you have downtime uh what do you do oh good question uh clean try to clean the house first of all <laughs> <laughs> um i would say we will do hikes occasionally um nature is important to get up into the mountains and then i would even say experiencing new we actually go and experience new foods all the time and like going downtown or picking some type of new thing to do. I don't know if you've heard of Meow Wolf yet. Mm -mm. Um, so Meow Wolf is a exploratory art organization, I would say, um, that came out of Santa Fe, New Mexico. And now they have built this huge structure in Denver. Um, and it's actually, it opened up, what did it say, 29th? It opened up like two weeks ago. Okay. And so we are going to go visit that um, here in the next month or so. But I say that to say that we will, every weekend we'll go out and do something new. If we don't have a lot of homework or something, like go, go 
to an art museum, go to an event like Meow Wolf, um, hang out with friends, do even last week we did a, I know this is a lot, but silent disco. My friend is a DJ and he had this okay. venue he was at and we, he, had, he threw a silent disco. So you have headphones on mm -hmm. and you dance to his tune and you take them off and it's like pitch pitch quiet right <laughs> and it's, it. it's insane yeah yeah so we'll do try new things like that and actually that's why i love life just in general because you get to have those experiences um and awesome. put them in your pocket but yeah that was a good question favorite song Ooh, favorite song we i am a big weekend fan so is phoebe um the weekend uh i would say he has the song with drake that i really like um and then you can't go wrong with like party monster or yeah party monster uh, blinding lights is a really famous one that you've probably heard because he, he did the super bowl last year yep um so yeah that's favorite artists and and or songs love it sounds very high energy too like a great silent disco song <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i would love to do that <laughs> he comes to Denver too next uh spring I want to say so I think we're getting tickets to that I was gonna say perfect birthday present right oh yeah it's true <laughs> I also we, Phoebe's been thinking about getting me a oculus this is a side track thing but a oculus like one of those VR sets so I can start putting my buildings into experimentation through those programs so yeah. Is that so? Would like Grasshopper, like those programs that you talked about, do they have VR with them? Like, are you able? Yes. To yeah, they all link VR? up um, okay. because Grasshopper is an extension of Rhino. But basically, whatever design or structure or whatever I'm building in Rhino through with the help of Grasshopper, then I would then export that to somewhere that I could get into virtual reality. So that yeah. sounds like a rabbit hole. Like you could. Oh yeah, it's it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> even even my past boss brad he was like yeah i have this i have the oculus thing at home and i play poker with people around the world but in space like they are in space sitting with each other when you look your your form looks like your person looks right and so he's like yeah i was just talking to people like shaking people's hands like and like the voice, the the sound also comes like you're talking like between you and I, or if it's across the room, it sounds more distant. So it's like a whole new world that I have yet to explore. So it's architecture and then just like connecting with people as well. Yeah, that sounds awesome. All right, well, I will leave it at that. So Jared, okay. thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I just have to say, when you designed that stadium in Denver, wherever it, <laughs> Maybe. Um, let me know and I'll get tickets. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to design it. Might be a little over my head for yeah. Yeah. the structural part, but I will get tickets to a show there for sure. But I am Beautiful. super inspired by you, by your energy. You have so much excitement and curiosity for the industry. And I love how you're sharing that with people and doing it with your podcast, mentoring people, getting out and connecting with so many different people. So keep doing it. You're doing great things. Keep it up. And thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. This was awesome and a pleasure talking to you as always.